we talk so much on the For the Love of Sports podcast about the power of connections and skill sets. So we're teaming up with Aquia Sports Group International to deliver two high-level mentorship programs. The 12-month sports business program will help you craft innovative partnerships and improve selling strategies. And for our newcomers to the sports world, we have a three-month sports business new grad program where you will gain skills to become an integral part of your team. Best news, both programs include monthly video meetups, digital worksheets, exclusive industry interviews, and real case studies. Let's come back from the shutdown even stronger. So head over to aqueous.co.com. That's www.aqueous.co for more information and to get on the wait list. Hello, welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and my guest today is Christian Sicoli. He's a wealth management advisor at Merrill Lynch. But more importantly, or at least for this part of the conversation, he's in, he was an NFL player from 2015 to 2018, selected in the XFL draft, and is the first Albanian-born player to ever play in the NFL. Christian is so much fun to talk about, talk to, and talk with. So I had an absolute blast chatting with him, understanding his story, what he's done. It turns out he was even a giant. So maybe I'm going to go buy his jersey. I'll buy you know a custom jersey and then put his name on it because I think that would be pretty cool too. But without further ado, here is Christian Sicoli. Yes. Hello and welcome to For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rosdiel and this is the podcast where we get to intersect business and sports. And today, my incredible guest, Christian Sicoli. He is a wealth management advisor at Merrill Lynch. He is an NFL player, NFL football player from 2015 to 2018, selected in the XFL draft by the DC Defenders and the first Albanian-born NFL football player. Man, how's it going, Christian? Good. How are you, Michael? And thanks for having me, man. Brother, the pleasure is all mine. We met, um, where did we meet? We met at the hashtag event a couple, yes, almost, I guess, like right around a year ago now, right? June. I yep. think that's when it normally was. We yeah. met there. You're very, that's you're very crazy. hard. You're hard to miss. You're a pretty big dude. You got really long hair. Um, but yeah, I think I just walked up to you and asked you what you were doing. You were telling me and uh, I think uh, got a little friendship from there. So I'm very grateful we got to connect again and I got to bring you on the show because I love your story, man. Um, you got some crazy shit going on, so I'm definitely excited to uh, to chat about it with you. But Christian, the first question I have for everybody on for the love of sports is, why do you love sports so much? Hmm. Well, good question. Why do I love sports? Um, I'll probably start with uh, the the feel thing. You know, the the physical part of it. I really do. You know, and. Uh, I feel like there's two ways to look at a lot of things. There's like a feel physical part to it. And then there's a logical, thoughtful part to it. And life asks you to be logical and reasonable a lot more than I like. <laughs> so I feel like uh, in sports, you get to really, it's a feel thing. You know, you you let go and you're not thinking as much. And you're just, uh, you're competing as hard as you can to destroy the guy in front of you or the team in front of you. And it's mm-hmm. exciting. And, you know, you work with, you work with other people to do it and, Definitely the feel thing. It's a big, big, big feel thing for me. And uh, just being in that zone, you know, being away from away from everything and in, in the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, man, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I do not know what that's like. I've never played football. <laughs> I've never played in the NFL. And I mean, as you can see, uh, I'm not the biggest dude in the world. So that physical aspect of it might not be the same for me. But you bring up competition, which I think is really important too. And I mean, it, it's innate in human beings, right? I had a conversation earlier today with a um, an Olympic hopeful, and that's what she was saying. You know, it's the it's the the thirst for competition. It's going up against each other. It's it's built into our DNA. And obviously, football, uh, you know, the gridiron, you know, the the, the coliseum kind of stuff is it's that's what it's built on right and you know i mean obviously with that like football is not it will actually you tell me is football native to albania is is there any news about it did you know about the sport before you no. even got over here no it's not uh sports is native for sure in competition you know of we course. love soccer and you know my dad you know they they grew up and lived off the land so they didn't have organized sports but they would play soccer with you know some ball that they wrapped up. I don't even know what they did. I forget what they told me they did, (laughs) but you get the idea and they would wrestle. And so competition is innately a part of us. And you say you never played sports, honestly, but I would describe that feeling. I never played football. I played JV (laughs) baseball. I I was going to say, it's like when you're on a podcast and things are really rolling, you're having a great conversation and you're not even thinking about how you're doing it. It's just happening. Anything. I I think that feel can come from a lot of uh, whatever you do. But yeah, so yeah, you know, you play baseball. So when you hit that ball and it's just mindless. <laughs> exactly. I, I was not very good at baseball and that's why I made it to JV, but um, that's the highest level. But no, I, I know what you mean. And I think it is, it's so true. Like kind of the, um, it's not even, it's it's the reaction, right? It's it's the, the innate yeah. just kind of, as you said, you kind of almost like turn your brain off. It's muscle memory yeah. at that point. It's yeah. just understanding. It's, it's the hours and hours of practice to understand exactly what you need to do when you need to do it in that split second, which I think is really important. And again, you don't make it to the NFL without being able to do that. But as you said, sports have been ingrained. So when, you know, tell me if you don't mind getting into the story. I mean, obviously, so as I said before, you're the first NFL player drafted at least if i'm not mistaken playing uh to play in the nfl that was born in albania correct that is correct as far as i know yeah yeah it definitely is you're, you're good uh, the internet that's what the internet told me i just wanted to double check with you uh, yep, so uh yep, right, maybe, right. maybe you need to double check with the internet as well but no i kid um so what tell tell me i mean what the reason to leave Albania, come to the United States, what was it? Was there political stuff going on? Was it just land of the free, home of the brave kind of stuff? Where, where and why was the reason that you left Albania, you and your family left when you did? I think it was a little bit of both for my parents when they made that decision. And, you know, my dad came first and it definitely they, he definitely wasn't feeling as safe as he would have liked to over there. I think there was a lot of political unrest in 1997. The banks were broken over there and it was just complete, you know, kind of chaos in the streets. Not that I really remember it because yeah. I was five years old at the time, six years old. So I have, I have, you know, I have some memories of it, but they really lived through it. And from what they tell me and from my, my older cousins tell me, it was a hard time to be in Albania and it was, it was rough. So political unrest, safety. And then obviously it definitely was uh, the pursuit of, uh, you know, the American dream. And they knew that they, they had an idea that if they made it to America, they're, Basically, they're hard. They could be better rewarded themselves and their kids for their hard work. And uh, we were grateful that it worked out for us. We really are, honestly. You know, my my dad came in '97, my mom in '99, and then me and my brother in 2000. And you know, my dad came. uh, He had it tough, and he had to apply for paperwork here and go through years of uh, you know lawyers and all that. But me and my brother had it pretty good. We came here, and we were. we didn't get our citizenship till years after, but we were legal from the moment we came here. So that was really nice for us, you know. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, comfort, yeah. It's definitely a very um I'll be I'll be honest, I don't really understand the process that well and we don't have to get too too deep into it, but we yeah. know it's it's difficult. Yeah. It's not the easiest thing as you said with your father. I mean, I yeah. know my grandparents did it obviously. It was uh, back in yeah. I don't know, like the 60s mm-hmm. or something, so it was a little different back then, but what was I, I know you said you don't really remember too too much about it, but I'm sure you do have memories of, you know, <laughs> your father leaving, then your mom leaving. What what was that like to be I mean, again, kind of without your parents, you know, the only thing you've ever known, you're eight, nine years old at this point. Yeah. What is, what does that do to a kid? I mean, I've never really known anybody to be in that type of situation. Yeah. I'm still figuring it out how it affects you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was hard. No, it was honestly. I mean, I remember, obviously I, I remember always uh, daydreaming with my dad walking home, you know, as a kid. And I always used to, you know, you know, dream about the day he'd be back, you know, and then my mom left and, my mom left. I was only without, we were only without her for, I think, eight or nine months. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as long, but no, I mean, as a kid there, you know, you miss your parents and you, you're always thinking about your parents and being reunited with your parents. And honestly, even when I came to America, it, it's an interesting thing to experience as a kid. Um, I remember then I would, I would have daydream about, you know, when I'm going to see my cousins again that I had mm-hmm. you know, connected with, especially because I live with my cousins when my mom left too. But um, so, yeah, it, it was hard, you know, and you miss your family. But uh, I think and, and then the tougher thing was probably uh, adapting to the American culture and learning the language. That was really tough. But we made it happen and it was for the better. You know, And uh, it definitely gave me a, I think it definitely it did give me a lot of drive. You know, I mm-hmm. think uh, that was part of, you know, part probably a part of me pretty innately a bit and just the way I was raised, too. But I think. Uh, wanting to fit in so badly with the culture and wanting to figure out the language, you know, coming here nine years old, when I finally discovered football, I figured out the language, but I still was, you know, I think I felt like an outsider and football was a way to kind of prove myself. Mm-hmm. And I really bought into that. So it worked out well. Now. That is, yeah. I mean, if you start, you know, plowing kids into the ground on the field, I think you're going to get a little more respect when you're 10, yeah. 12 years old, right? Even I mean, though, I, even though my first year I was the one getting plowed into the ground. No, that's yeah. Not a lie. Yeah. I guess I when was, did you, when did you hit that? When'd you hit that? Well, yeah, I mean, you're probably bad. When'd you hit that growth spurt, though? Well, the thing is, I was probably I was one of the bigger kids even then, mm. at 12 years old. I probably hit my growth spurt in about about a year later, but I was still one of the bigger kids. Um, but no, I just I was really technically yeah. not down. I was playing offensive line. I had no technique, and I was just getting crushed. I remember being miserable. <laughs> I was like, "Why do I like this? I don't. Why do I play this?" That's funny. And, That's uh, funny. Yeah. I mean, I hope they then switch you to defensive line where you can start crushing other people. That probably is a yeah. little bit. Uh, well, little next more fun. year. What actually happened is the next year I started playing tight end and it just started to work out for me. I got a little taller. I think I was moving a little better. I was getting used to, you know, getting the hang of the sport and it just, it just worked. You know, I obviously the technique was coming along and slowly but surely. And I had great mentors around me. I really did. Starting in eighth grade when Coach Carter would come to me and he was the high school coach, but he saw the potential and he would come to me and he would say to stick with it. And, you know, he'd always call me Moose. So he'd say, keep fighting Moose. You're going to be, you're going to be good. You're going to be all right. And that means a lot to you. You know, a high school varsity coach saying something like that to you, an eighth grader, you're like, wow, I'm truly going to be special. <laughs> I love it. Dude. Oh, and you sorry. are, man, you oh, are You're thanks, literally thanks. one of the, the, literally the first and only to our knowledge, at least, and the internet's knowledge, which I'll take that knowledge. Um, right. Only Albanian uh, born player ever drafted in the NFL. I think it is incredible, dude. So you're very, very for special. Now. And I think, yeah, for now, hopefully, hopefully you inspire some others, man. I think I that think would so. be great. Absolutely. There's some actually that are in college right now that I just, I'm waiting for them to, uh, to join, join in. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of derailing the conversation. Do you, do you speak with a lot of people um, in that regard, especially people, you know, from Albania that are interested in the sport that kind of have looked up to you in some capacity? 
I tried to, you know, I've connected with some guys on the internet um, through Instagram and stuff. And even if it's guys that are, you know, used to play division three football and they have it up on their Instagram or are playing now, I, I think it's always need to connect with other Albanians because I know I relate to their story. I know I'm mm -hmm. sure that their parents also were against playing football, which usually happens to be the case. And, you know, I know they were outsiders like me playing football, you know, as, as Albanian first generation here, because, uh, yeah, I mean, we come here and it's not, it's not necessarily pushed on us to play sports at all because, you know, we're coming from a struggle and from a grind and the mentality is you're either working for your family or you're really focusing so intensely on school that you're not even thinking about sports. So you can reward your family mm -hmm. for bringing you here kind of is that whole mentality, which is understandable. So yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool to see other. And I really, I think that'll be awesome. I can't wait for another Albanian to make the NFL and hopefully have a better career than me because yeah. mine was a little short. <laughs> I don't know, man. You spent a few years in the NFL. I think it's I impressive. Had, and we'll get there. We'll get there. Hey, man, you were, you were on my Giants for a second, so I appreciate yeah. that. I should get one of your jerseys. That's what I should do. Ooh, Ooh. sweet. Oh, I think I might have to do that. I'll go find one online. But so, so, you know, as we were saying before, so you get into, you start getting into football. It's kind of almost your way into American culture to where to ingratiate yourself to the other school kids and, you know, start to, you know, build some relationships and friendships. How, how long did it take? You said it took about a year for you to start figuring it out. How long did it take you until, you know, you actually were like, wait a second, like I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm not just some big guy that can push people around. Like there is, you know, the skills are developing, the technique is coming. Like how long did it take before that really started to, I guess, click? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it. I think there were stages of it. I think eighth grade, I was really like, wow, like I'm pretty decent at the game. Like I'm a, I'm a good player. You know, I was like mm -hmm. outrunning kids at tight end, stiff farming people. And then freshman year, I got called up to varsity at the end of the year. And I wasn't really ready, fundamentally, technically sound, mm -hmm. but it was still a confidence boost. I was like, wow, you know, I was one of the five or six freshmen that called the varsity. And that, that always, uh, I yeah. wanted to be part of that elite group. I was like, yeah, that that's sick. Um so I was always, you know, very driven to uh, stand out. And uh, and then uh, sophomore year, sophomore year, I started playing a little varsity. Senior year, yeah, I think, well, when I got when I got the full scholarship, it was huge, too. You know, oh, there, 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 was, there was levels to it, for sure. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, th I think course. I always dreamed of making it to the NFL, and it was always a dream that I really didn't give up on in a way, but it was a far-fetched dream. But, yeah, I guess when you say when it felt more tangible – I want to say uh, sophomore year of college after freshman year because I felt like I was really starting to use my hands at defensive line and I was really starting to figure out the game and really feel more confidence in the in you know in actually being a player and not just using my size. So that's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is that is absolutely fantastic. Again, going to Buffalo, playing with Kilo Mac as well. That's probably yeah. pretty cool. I'm I'm gonna ask you later about a couple stories about him. I think I'm sure there's sure. A, I'm sure there's a few in there, but well, with we had a good um, time. You know, going back to, I guess, that that cultural aspect of Albania, and as you said, you're either working hard for your family, helping them, or you're working so hard at school that you can reward your family with a job outside of it. When you did start playing football, and you brought it up before about other Albanian kids and their parents, was this something your parents were, were happy about? Was this something they're like, you know, okay, we'll let you do it because you're here and you need to gain friends? Like, what was that concept like to them? And how did they kind of react when you started playing and then started seriously playing? Yeah, no, they didn't like it at all. They didn't like it at all, and they were very against it. Uh, in the beginning, I remember having plenty of feuds with my dad about it, and I don't know that my mom liked it either. I just think she had a softer side for me, and she felt my pain kind of and desire mm -hmm. to play the game. And Eventually, she was like, just let him play. And 
I don't know that he ever said yes to play. I think he just didn't say no as hard. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna play football. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was it was intense. Um, but it was different to them, and they saw it as a a gladiator thing too, a little bit, and, and a very dangerous sport, which it is. You know, it's yeah. dangerous, but you know, pro. I think uh, pros and cons. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's going to go both ways. I think that's not even a question. And and yeah. with that, was there anything culturally that lends to football a little bit more, if that makes sense? Like, as you said, like that extreme amount of hard work, kind of that, you know, working, you know, as you said, your parents or your father at least grew up, you know, working on a farm, if I'm not mistaken, you said, or working on the land. Like, was there anything like that that was easily attributable to playing the sport of football uh, from your perspective? I think it was the work ethic definitely passed along. You know, I mean, I, my uh, my family definitely raised me to, to to work hard. You know, it was it was ingrained in us. There's no, no doubt about that. You know, if you know, when I went back to Albania to visit, and from the stories I hear from my you know my dad and my older cousins and my mother too, and her side of the family, my uncles. You know, we were hard workers and we were people that went through a lot of struggles. So, I I, I did gain courage from that, obviously, and I. Uh, I honestly, I was, I was very proud to be able to bring that work ethic to America, the big stage, so to speak. Cause I feel like a lot of people in my, in my past, both my mom and my dad's side, obviously same country. Um, they, uh, they didn't get to really reap the fruits of their labor as much mm-hmm. because they're in a communist system. So it was kind of like you did what the, what the system needed you to do. You didn't get to show your true ability and what you wanted to show it. in. so I did, I felt a lot of pride to, to get a chance to do that in America and, uh, and, and, the fruit, you know, relatively free system we live in. So relatively free. I don't mean, I don't want to get political. No, I <laughs> choose my words carefully. I heard you. I heard you. You're I, good, I it, You are good. Free, but hey, yes. Uh, so it was awesome to come here and get to do that. And honestly, I always felt like I was representing my family and the ones that came before me that nobody knows about, you know, mm-hmm. here, so to speak. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And kudos. Congratulations to you there, man. I think it is absolutely impressive uh, what you were able to do. And, Thanks, man. And, um, you know, I was moving... very fortunate. I was very yeah. fortunate. That's a big thing. I want to say I was given a great opportunity and I had great people around me. I had a great, you know, support system. I had a good, you know, structure at home. I had a good family at home. So those are things that I want to put out there too. I was, I was fortunate in that sense for sure. Absolutely. You were very, you know, and I appreciate, I'm grateful that you're grateful. Um, I wish more people were grateful. It's a, it's a funny Thanks, thing man. how that works, no, but I yeah, think it's, yeah. it's very important to understand like, Hey, like you did a lot of work, but you can still be thankful for the whole situation. Oh, you for know, sure. We're all dealt a hand of cards. Just how's it play? Exactly. Like. I think it's very 50, 50. And that's obviously you can spin that wheel all around and mm-hmm. argue all day, but you know, as far as nurture and nature and, or, you know, what you do and what, what you're given, I don't, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of what you're given to, you know, so absolutely they're both important both sides yeah, yeah. absolutely man and I'm, yeah. I'm grateful that you took advantage of the situation so going back to high school you know as you said that that coach with carter if i'm not mistaken as you said came down when you were in eighth grade he's like buddy you're gonna you're gonna be good don't worry you know we got you and uh yep. just uh just a couple positions you played in high school i have defensive end left tackle tight end punter and place kicker uh did you ever play all of them in the same game <laughs> uh i that's interesting because towards the back half of my high school career unfortunately i started to play left tackle i I say unfortunately because i really wanted to play tight end Uh but looking back now considering the seahawks drafted me at offensive line if i could go back in time i'd probably tell myself to only play left tackle moving forward Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh i don't think i ever played tight end and left tackle and i might be wrong Uh but no i did play kicker punter place kicker dn Mm -hmm left tackle. And I specifically remember 
there being several games where I did not step off the field one play, and that was excruciating. Wow. That was oh painful. And the stamina and endurance is not my uh, strength. So, well, hey, yeah, that was, that whatever was you were doing was, uh, I mean, that's got to be so funny having your defensive end stay on the field to play left tackle, and then you have to punt the ball. Yeah, and he's yeah. also the punter as well. High I mean, that's cool ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, that's how gotta, it was, That's cool. Yeah, got to do what you got to do, dude. Yeah. And I love it. And yeah. and yeah. clearly, again. You did well enough. You got a Division One scholarship going up to Buffalo. What was the recruiting process like? I mean, you're you're a senior in high school. I think you said you know a junior year is when you got the scholarship, right? So, what like what was the whole recruiting process like, and how many, you know, how many schools are coming after you? Where are you looking, and and I guess the reasons why behinding uh, behind picking Buffalo. I think Buffalo more so picked me. Uh, it was two weeks before our, uh, signing day, and I didn't have any offers. I think we had some options to go to prep schools, mm-hmm. which in the time I was really against it because I was thinking, no, I don't I, I want to go straight to college. You know, I'm better than a prep school. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, actually, prep school is a really good thing. Just just putting that out there for any kids watching, just because it can give you opportunities that you didn't have before mm-hmm. if you're one of those late bloomers, which I feel like I was yeah. a little bit too. But um and I also had some things come up. Like I had, I had, you know, I, that was pretty serious things. Actually I had a hairline fracture on my wrist junior year mm-hmm. being the season. And mm-hmm. that put me out for first few weeks. And then the same exact thing on the other wrist senior year in high school. So that was really mm-hmm. unfortunate luck there. Um, I caught, I caught plenty of breaks in my life. Those were not one of them, but anyway, it was good enough. It was good enough to show some upside. And so two weeks before signing day, I have, I don't have many offers. Rutgers did offer me, I think as a preferred walk on which I was considering to definitely go there too. And it's pretty cool. My dad actually was like, I'll pay for Rutgers, which is pretty cool. Cause by this time he was really uh, on board with the football thing too. He saw mm-hmm. that I was a pretty good player and he wanted to support me with it. And he actually paid for my training too in high school, which is That's awesome. really cool with um, Andre Reed at Pinnacle Fitness in Bloomfield, what's, New Jersey. What's up Andre Reed? Yeah, yeah. What's up Andre? Yeah. I haven't trained with him in a bit, but he's a good friend of mine. And I, I owe a lot of my high school physical and, and mental development to him. He's, he's a good trainer. But, um, yeah, so then two weeks before signing day, I don't have much going as, as far as that. A D2 school that was going to help pay for school. But, yeah, so stuff that – it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted the Division One full mm-hmm. ride. Yeah. And Buffalo calls, and they're offering me a full scholarship, and they're telling me they're going to bring, bring me up the upcoming weekend. And I remember committing on the phone, and the guy was like uh, Ernest Jones, the defensive back coach at the time, said, you don't have to commit now. Just make, you know, just make sure you have a decision by this weekend when you come up. And I said, listen, I don't know where Buffalo is, but I'm telling you, I want that ride. Don't give it to anybody else because I mm-hmm. heard all these stories. of. Yep. Anyway, so I was I was jacked up. I was, I didn't know where it was, but I was like, it's Division One. It's a full ride. This is my dream. And I, that was really cool moment. I mean, I, no, I, I still, when I think back to that, I mean, yeah, even I, I remember sharing it with my mom and I was in the basement playing Madden. How funny is that? I was a big football go. geek, and I'm sure you were too. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, I was – always a big football geek growing up and uh it's pretty funny that i was playing madden when that happened but uh yeah i went home went upstairs and i told my mom my mom's like i literally can't believe it she's like i, I don't know are you sure like yeah yeah they are they, they they wanted me to do well they just to them it was yeah yeah it was naturally a far-fetched thing i mean they came from communism in albania so to tell them that someone's going to give me a full ride to play a sport here it almost sounds silly but mm-hmm. yeah, anyway so you get the point there but uh yeah it was, it was exciting and then that that weekend it's funny the way it worked out. It's uh, the weekend after I actually almost got an, I almost got offered by Notre Dame. So it was the same staff that left Cincinnati and half of them went to Buffalo, half of them went to Notre mm-hmm. Dame. Yep. 
Yeah, you remember that. You're, you're Brian Kelly. Yeah, 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 Brian Kelly. So Brian Kelly's people, they hadn't got their offers. And they said, we have two people coming up to visit. If at least one doesn't commit this weekend, you'll have the offer Monday. And it was Bob Diaco, the D coordinator that was recruiting me there. He was the one talking to uh, my coach. He's a good, well, he's an interesting guy, Bob yeah, Diaco. Dude, the civil <laughs> conflict. Let's go. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was intense. And I felt bad because I was like, I love Buffalo. I literally already gave him my word. And then, um, but uh, come on now. Let's let's be honest. Oh, it's Notre, dude, Dame. Notre Dame offers you. Of course, <laughs> like, you're going to Notre Dame. That's so not even a question. Monday comes along, and we call them. Me and my head coach, Coach Carter, we call them. Uh, we call them up, and um, they tell Coach Carter. They say one of the guys are committed. The other guy is not sure yet. We'll know more by Wednesday. You could do as you please because honestly, we can't promise you anything mm -hmm. just because the way things are shaking down. And I think Wednesday or Thursday was signing day, and that's where I told Coach. I was like, Coach. Let's not risk it at all with mm -hmm. any news getting out because yep. I don't want to lose that Buffalo offer. We're going to Buffalo, close this case up and never look back from there. But, um, and actually it's, it's just crazy, man. It's small world because, uh, one of the guys that hadn't committed yet, that wasn't sure. This is my mm -hmm. buddy, Max, by the way, Preston Canario Mastiff for all the dog lovers. He's a big dude. He is. He's a buck 30. <laughs> he's Ooh. three years old. Um, uh, man. Anyway, so I, um, so I, so I committed to Buffalo and then, um, the signing day go, going on to sign. What I was going to say, I forgot what I was going to say about a uh, uh, small world. One of the guys that yeah. didn't sign at yeah, uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. Nice job, Mike. That's one of the guys here, man. That's why you're there. See, you're getting good at this thing too. Look at yeah, that. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, Kona listening. Not one of my strengths. I'm getting better though. Anyway, <laughs> Kona Schwenke, um, rest in peace. He, uh, he was the guy that was – he was one of those guys, and he hadn't decided to commit yet. And the reason I know this is because we ended up going to the Seattle Seahawks together to play offensive line. I was six. I was a six-round draft pick. He ended up get, being signed out of, mini, out of the mini camp there when I was a rookie. And he was a guy also that was a D-lineman, played D-line in Notre Dame, and Seattle was trying to convert him to offensive line. And I didn't even know this for weeks, I think months into being together and even having a few drinks together and knowing the guy – and we're in the meeting room just hanging out the offensive line, and we're all talking about our recruiting trips. And he's talking about how he's like, man, Notre Dame wanted me to go and uh, go to their recruiting trip, but it was a crazy uh, weekend. It was a rough winter. And I was like, do I really want to go up there to, you know, Indiana? And I was like, no way. He's like, uh, I was like, that was freaking you. <laughs> I was like, no way. He said, what are you talking about? I said, and then I, called, I told him the story, and it's just so funny what a small world we live in. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away a couple years later. Great dude, great dude. But that is, I mean, what are the wow. seriously? What are the chances I like know. you end what up in the, the same odds? room together for an extended period of time? And, and I didn't even it didn't even catch my attention yeah. until he literally was telling that story, and I was like, wait, I think I know what that what that time is. Yeah, so. that's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah look at that. Was, I mean, it's it's yeah. a it's a crazy. I mean, the more I listen, I mean, the more I listen, the more I talk to people, the more I realize sports is way smaller than we think it is. Obviously, that is just a weird story that doesn't happen often. <laughs> yeah, but there's just yeah. so few people. We think of it as this gigantic industry. And you know, you know enough people. You're a couple degrees away from everybody at some point. Uh, and hey, maybe they're sitting in the same room with you, and they took your scholarship offer. Uh, so you know, you yep. know, as you said, RIP to him. Of course, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, as you said, great dude. But uh, it's 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 just crazy how those kind of stories work out. I mean, that's 
I don't believe in coincidence. Let me just say that. I do not believe in coincidence there. Yeah. I think it was supposed to happen that way. And so I don't know, your, man. your time at Buffalo, um, you know, as you said, you, you got recruited there. You said yes without even knowing where it is or what's going on or how it's going. So you, you go up there probably a little colder than you expected, I'm sure. But what was what was it like playing there? I, I have written down here you went to a couple different bowls, the Idaho Potato Bowl as well as the Medal of Honor Bowl. Play with Khalil Mack, who is now easily one of the most well-known defensive players in the entire NFL. Like, what was your time like there for the four years you were there, or five years that you were there? And you know, what did you gain as a you know skill set wise, but also just as a human being? Man, I could spend a lot of time on that question. Uh, good well, we question. have you yeah. have until seven o'clock, so we got like another <laughs> yeah. like forty minutes. So you you talk as long as you want, man. No, I got you. I'll try and get to the point. People like when you get to the point a little bit too. But uh, no, I, it's like um, Coach Pissarro, Mike Pissarro, offensive coordinator at Bloomfield High School. When I was playing football at Bloomfield, I think now he's a basketball coach, uh, varsity at Verona High School. Um, great coach, good friend. Um, he said to me, when you go to college, he said, it's the hardest you're ever going to work and it's the most fun you're ever going to have. And that's exactly what it was. Um from the start of training camp, man, it was physically and mentally the toughest thing I've done. Being away from home and being having to go to work every single day for literally 12 to 14 hours straight because that's just how training camp is. It's really a big awakening to growing up. And honestly, there's a, yeah, there's a handful of kids that quit in that freshman year of training camp and a handful that quit even after freshman year. But it's, it's a real test. And uh, I'm fortunate that I didn't quit and I stuck with it. And uh, there was a lot of tough moments like that in the weight room, you know, in the classroom with being done with practice and being physically and mentally exhausted and drained. And then you got to study for a finance mm -hmm. exam. You're like, man, like this is not what I'm trying to do right now, you know, but I, um, I'm, I'm grateful for those, uh, those moments because they, they built me to, to, to be who I am today. And it sounds cliche and it is what it's also true because, uh, it's like you said with this podcast, you know, there's only one way to get good at something to an extent it's practice. And I feel like football was football and division one athletics, you know, the combination of student athlete, it was practice for the real world. And it was practice to learn how to work and to learn how to work with others and learn how to be a nice person. And, you know, and that sounds vague, but it's like, can you be a nice person and work hard at the same time? Mm -hmm. And can you control your anger and all that good stuff. And I'm definitely still working at it. So especially the last one, but <laughs> I think you're, you're a nice yeah. dude. I don't think you got anything to worry about there. Now you're just being a little, uh, you're being too humble. Let's say that. Oh, I think, stop, I, yeah. I think yeah. you're a good dude, man, but no, I think Thanks, it's Mike. just so cool that you had this opportunity. You earned this opportunity that you were able to go play division one football, especially as you know, we've kind of been chronologically going over your story at this point with, you know, where your parents came from, you know, not living with your parents for multiple months, um, your father, obviously, for a couple of years, your mother, as you said, for about nine months. And now being able to, you know, as you said, like to her, it was still like, what do you mean someone's going to pay for your school? Like, what's going on here? Where's the catch kind of right? And it turns out, no, that's just that's just where, you know, where you were to where you are now, which I think is incredible and getting these opportunities and and, and running with them, too. Right. As you said, there's a lot of people that quit like you couldn't quit. You know, what would your parents think? What would your parents right. say? Like. There's yeah. no shot you can quit there. So I think that was kind of a gift for through. me. It was kind of a gift for me in that way. Like, sure, I could quit. And there was times where I thought about literally going back home. And, like, I was like – I would be like – I would have these fantasy thoughts of, like, man, I'll just play Division three football and I'll be a star and I'll be a starter already yep. and it won't be as ridiculous, you know. But it's like because I had such a big dream and desire to make the NFL and because I had already accomplished so much, it was like, no, what? no, no chance, you know. like, mm -hmm. And I, I, was, I was fully committed. And – 
I'll be honest with you, Mike. I, I crave those days now. And I'm like, I love, you know, I love financial advising. That's a strong word. <laughs> I like financial advising. <laughs> let's, let's say, let's start with that one. I, I like it. I really do. But it's like, I, I'm pushing myself every day and I'm getting closer and I'm working at it to, to making it my new football, but it's not easy because, mm-hmm. uh, the desire and love for the game, man, that was intense. And now it's just like, yeah, it's like I'm craving to have that desire and love for what I do now. And it's, uh, it's a process. I had a, I'm going to be completely blunt with you. I mean, I don't know that I'll, it'll, I'll never probably have it. That's just, some people say, Oh, well you just transferred the next thing. Maybe that works for them, but come on. Like yeah. I was playing football at the highest level, you know, that's mm-hmm. exciting. You know, managing money, it is exciting following the markets and dealing with different people's emotions in the markets mm-hmm. and different problems. No, that's genuinely exciting too. I love it. It's fun, but it's not the same as football. No. <laughs> it's not the same as 70,000 people going crazy and you're freaking going in the next drive right. and you're free. Oh man, I don't love it. I, I could just keep going on how intense that moment is. Whereas I the financial advising, I can go for about 10 seconds. <laughs> no, I think you gave so, me, you gave me a solid 45 there. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, yeah. as, as you heard, and I'm sure a couple of listeners out there have heard as well, I did financial advising for a little while and yeah. I hated every second. Of it. So I appreciate there's people like you to help others in this world. I understand the positives that come from it and the good things that do come from it for those people. Uh, loved my old company, loved all the people that were there. It's incredible. There's a lot of good people in finance. But yeah, it's not quite the same. Not as much contact as you were talking about before. I'm yeah. sure you're really not, you know, you're really not bodying any of these clients up too often, uh, especially right. now. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, it would be <laughs> weird if it's just you in your office and 70,000 people cheering you on as you're, uh, you know, in the middle of this meeting and, you know, the whole place is going crazy. Right. I mean, that would be very That's uncomfortable right. for the clients as well, I think. So it's very, very good that you, uh, that you do what you do there. And um, so I do want to touch upon so a couple of things. So we already talked about Khalil Mack a little bit, you know, being you were you were playing defensive line, correct? Yes. Um, nose tackle to be exact. Actually, it was at a position, but that's where they needed me. And mm-hmm. I had the strength and the size kind of I wasn't as thick as you want a nose tackle to be. Mm-hmm. But I was, uh, as Jeff Quinn would like to say, long and strong at the middle position and feisty. So I made it happen. It zero it. nose. Yeah. What was it like playing next to Khalil Mack and knowing like when he he started to gain some national attention, you know, he was like a he was a you know a second round pick. Then all of a sudden he was a first round pick, and then it was like, holy crap, this is like easily one of the best guys in the draft. How cool yeah. for was it for you and the rest of the team to see this attention be put on a player at a school that normally doesn't get too much national attention? And understanding now, a little bit of that spotlight's going to be on you if they're looking at the defensive line constantly. You're usually there too, yes. right? So what was that dynamic like? No, and honestly, he probably helped me and a lot of other guys more than we thought. And my, my D-line coach, Jappy Oliver, would say this a lot my junior year. He'd say, all these NFL scouts, I know you guys think highly of yourself, but <laughs> I know they're watching. They're like, they'll come over here and take some notes, but the reason they're here is 46. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was really cool because we got exposure to all these NFL scouts that we might not have gotten to yep. a lot of them, you know, that were here there for Quill Mack, but then there might have been like, oh, who's the really tall Albanian over there? So... That, that that worked out. No, and it, it did. And um, he was obviously great. He was amazing. Even freshman, I think. Yeah, when I was a freshman, he was a uh, he was a redshirt sophomore. Believe it or not, he did redshirt. He also didn't get any offers except for Liberty, and then got Buffalo. But that just shows you, you know, mm-hmm. people uh, yeah. slip prep through school. the cracks. Go to there prep you go. For a year. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt as much. Exactly. As you yes. Exactly. Especially if you think you're a real player and you got a shot to go pro. It's it's not a big deal because you think you're taking your life back by a year, but nothing is that big of a deal, honestly. Exactly. But hey, 
Yeah. Man, so, think, but yeah, go ahead. People, no, I was going to say it had to have just been so much fun playing next to him. How much, how much easier, how much easier did he make it? I mean, we it, saw a lot I of did, that. I did not there. know how much easier he made it until my senior year when I got double teamed and a lot more attention than I thought, because I used to be like, well, he can't be changing it that much for me. I'm a nose tackle. He's an outside linebacker. How much is he really changing the game? But that really showed me how much the game is connected because the simple play, even outside zone, for example, you know, the, the guard is not going to, is not going to help as much because he's going to the next level. Cause he can't help as much because the tackle can't, he can't be mm-hmm. there as much because he's going to help with Khalil Mack, for example, it's all connected. And I got more one-on-one matchups and I got less double team fields where a senior year without Khalil Mack, I was feeling a lot more uh, double teams than I was mm-hmm. before, honestly. And it's and then, and then I think the whole line can say that, you know, and it, a guy like that helps you a lot. He really does. Yeah, I mean, th- th- think about that on the, you know, the Buffalo level. No, no, no shots at Buffalo, of course. It's incredible what he did. But now think about it, you know, on the, the NFL level. I know. And, and now like, you know, what, it's still the same thing, <laughs> yes. right? Like everyone yeah. around him, all the people on the, you know, when he was on the Raiders, now on the Bears, like all the crap that yep. you hear and see like how much he really changes the defense, especially like how freaking good he is now. I can only imagine mo- like men amongst yeah. boys back then. And, that and one thing, so cool. uh, one thing I remember that stands out now, actually, I remember now I see. I remember talking to him when I was a senior and he was in the NFL already. And he said, get ready. So these NFL guys ain't much. And I remember something like that gave me a bunch of confidence. I was uh-huh. like, man, really? Yeah, you're right. You know, like, I'm All right, let's too, you know? got this. there we go. Oh, dude, <laughs> but, that is awesome. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, but so, no, I don't dude, need to talk about Kalimak too, too much. I just think it's, no, cool. you're I'm, good. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty dude, cool, a great player. Not too often do I find myself about one to two degrees away from Khalil Max. So I'll, uh, I'll take advantage of it for a couple minutes, I think. But the the rest of your career at Buffalo, I mean, again, I have two bowl games written down here. We have 2013 Idaho Potato Bowl, 2015 Medal of Honor Bowl. What was it like? And what is like, that is the culmination of a season, right? Now we have the college football playoffs. So bowl games are looked at yeah. as not as important anymore. But for, you know, 99% of the teams, they're not going to the college football playoff for one of these New Year's Six Bowls. What was it like getting that opportunity, you know, on a stage where, you know, there's people like me at like three o'clock in the afternoon on a random Tuesday. Like, of course, I'm watching the Idaho Potato Bowl. Why the hell would I not watch it? It's the middle of December. I have nothing else going on. What was it like knowing you kind of got a little extra spotlight during that time of year? It was really exciting, man. The Idaho Potato Bowl was cool. We obviously want we worked for that moment since my freshman year. and We always wanted to go to the MAC championship, which we did not get a chance to do. And obviously, we always wanted to go bowling. Like, we wanted to go to a bowl game. I watched a bunch of my friends from high school do it. I watched, you know, other peers do it. And it just seemed awesome, the whole experience, you know, the whole week before the bowl game and all that and all the cool stuff they got to do. <clears throat> so it was really exciting. And it was it was our championship. And it was a lot of buildup mm-hmm. to it. Unfortunately, we didn't get to win that game or didn't get the outcome we wanted. We got beat pretty bad by San Diego State. I hate to say it. Shout mm-hmm. out to Terry Poole, who I got drafted with in Seattle who loves to talk crap about that game because he played offensive line against me, small world oh, again. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so he was a tackle, and I was a nose because uh, otherwise he wouldn't want to talk about it as much. But yeah, we exactly. didn't really go against each other. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, no, so they got the best of us in that game. But it, it was an exciting week. It was really cool to get to see Idaho and spend a week out there. It was, it was awesome playing that game, Boise State Stadium. And the Medal of Honor Bowl, that was actually an all-star game. It's really easy okay. to confuse, I know, but it was uh, it was think of like the uh, Senior Bowl NFLPA. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was, I think, the third, fourth tier game, and I barely got into that one, honestly. And kind of like the NFL, the college thing, in the way I kind of slipped slipped through. And you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't one of the big guys coming out of college because 
I didn't have the stats, you know, and mm -hmm. I didn't have the uh, the film as well. I mean, I, I I think I showed a lot of good things on film, but it was uh, it would the people had to project me a lot because they're like, this guy's playing zero nose. He's mm -hmm. doing a decent job at it. He shows explosion. He shows strength. I'll tell you the other stuff too. He shows a little tightness in the hips. We're not sure if he can change direction. All right, all right. Appreciate <laughs> you know, the honesty. We're not, sure, we're not sure how much his stiffness is going to get in the way of being a football player in the NFL. So the, the, then there's, you know, so those are the pros and cons. And they had to project how could I play a five technique because my body, mm -hmm. my frame was a clearly a three, four end five technique body. And um, so, yeah, I, I, and I didn't have the stats, you know, at zero nose to, to really get out there. So um, I didn't get offered to play at those big, games, the senior bowl, the NFL PA. I got to go to the Medal of Honor game. I did really well in that week of practice. I remember doing really well in practice. I remember in the game, I had to play three technique, which is still not the position mm -hmm. I was probably projected yeah. at, but it was closer to that. You seem to know your ball a little bit. A little bit. So, yeah, I got more one-on-one -on -one looks with the guard. So you can compare that to how I would play as a five technique at tackle better than you can compare a zero going head up against the center. So, yeah, you get the idea. And I, I played pretty well in that game. I did some good things. Probably still showed my stiffness a little bit and all that good stuff. But I did enough to get some excitement going. And the Seahawks were interested. And uh, I don't know if you want me to move it to draft day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the next part of the story. I mean, again, you right. get drafted by the Seahawks, the sixth round. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, a couple of things I read, you weren't even projected to get drafted. So it's freaking awesome that you were. I mean, what was it like in the lead up? I assume you were not invited to the combine. No, I was not. And I okay. wasn't, yeah, projected you drafting up. So, so what, what was that like? I mean, like, we're, of course, I mean, I watched uh, this year in particular because we had nothing else going on in, on planet Earth, was you had to watch the draft. But with, you know, I watch every draft. I love every second of it. I think it is awesome. It's so much fun for me to, to enjoy it. Was that something? Did you, did you try to watch it? Were you still hopeful that something would happen? And obviously, eventually it did. But like, what was the, the lead up to it? What were those emotions like? No, I was very, I was very hopeful, and uh, I, I, I uh, me and my agent Brett Tesler, we, I think we both did a good job, honestly, and I got to give him credit too because I think he did a good job for me during that period and hyping me up and doing a good job of communicating to other teams uh, about my progress and about what I was doing and who was seeing me because hype was starting to build, you know, not mm -hmm. not at a crazy level, but it was it was big hype compared to what I had before. I had teams that were interested in working me out privately teams are interested in talking to me privately so that got to build a little momentum for me in those few months before the draft and then in pro day at my pro day I, I killed it there honestly I ran a 4840 at 290 pounds which yeah, dude, is good go. but I was running four sixes in training consistently so it was actually a bad day for me in that mm -hmm. respect I, I uh, it still bugs me because usually I, the, the watches are kind of quick um, uh, at pro they are too, so they are yeah and um, yeah, I literally was running four sixes watch time, um, and then I ran a four eight watch time at my pro day. So I don't know; it just bugs me because I yeah. obviously I had a great pro day. You know, my pro day definitely helped my case, but I'm like, man, why didn't I run that four six? Like that would have been really impressive. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that one's for the that one's just for the personal stories like this. You know, yeah, you gotta exactly. you gotta have something for that. Yeah, exactly, man. And I appreciate I, uh, that. So, and so, what was it like when the Seahawks did? You know, when you get that phone call, was Pete Carroll calling you up saying, "Hey, Christian, how's it going? You you wanna you wanna come play in Seattle?" Yeah, that's basically what it was. You know, I was uh, I, I had hopes that I would get drafted in the seventh round, but definitely was not sure of it. Um, we were confident that me and my agent that we would get a chance to, you know, play in the NFL in general because, you know, we, we yeah, we we're confident that we'd get signed after the draft. Mm -hmm. But yeah. obviously I really wanted to get drafted. So late sixth round, my phone rings. I think I took half a second to answer it. 
And then Pete Carroll says some long lines of, well, here we are. I can't believe we're actually doing this. I remember talking about this whole thing a few months ago. We're going to go ahead and draft you here to play offensive line. And I was just like, yeah, I think he might have said, are you cool with that or something like that? And I said, uh, yes, absolutely. And I talked to John Schneider and I remember telling him, I promise you will not regret this, you know, and I don't know if they regret it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they do, honestly. I don't was, think they regret it. It was, yeah, it was a good ride. I made the active roster the first year. Didn't make it in the second training camp. They drafted some three other guys, too, in my position that hurt as well. But it's a competitive game. It's a, yeah. the competition at the highest level. So, you know, I got I got outplayed in the second training camp, and that's what it came down to consistency, and I wasn't consistent enough at offensive line. There you go. Yeah, at least you're honest about it too. And and so with with that, you bring it up at, at offensive line. You played a little offensive line, obviously in high school, but as we said in, in in college at Buffalo for multiple years, you played defensive line, out of position on the defensive line, but on the defensive line, was it frustrating that a team brought you in to play offensive line, or was that kind of the assumption the whole time that if you know if you're going to get drafted or if you're going to get signed, it would be more so to be on the offensive line rather than the defensive line where you've played. No, actually, Seattle was the only team that was interested in doing that. Um, and then we made it very clear to them um, that me and my agent, we, that we, we only wanted to do that if we get drafted. And I strongly felt mm-hmm. that way. I said, yeah. I want to play defensive line. That's where I'm natural at. But if a team believes in me enough to play offensive line, I also made it clear that I will fully commit to being an offensive lineman. And I think I could be pretty good at it if I really was given the time to. So Seattle was the only team that did that. Otherwise, I was going to be end up, end up playing defensive end. And there was actually a good amount of three, four teams that were interested in me that, you know, hypothetically could have taken me in the seventh round free agency. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how it worked out. Seattle drafted me and I never looked back from there. And I gave everything I had to offensive line for the next uh, year and a half. Yeah. Was it frustrating, though, like knowing like you were kind of already at a disadvantage because you're drafted at a position you really don't play? It was frustrating at times. And there was times, honestly, where. Uh, I, I wanted to play D line. I was like, man, like, why? Well, I know I can make it on the other side. Like, this is so uncomfortable and not like me. And I'm naturally attacking kind of person. Mm-hmm. I, but I think those were wrong thoughts to be had. I think I was being given an f- awesome opportunity at a, you know offensive line. I had committed to that opportunity. And then looking back, I don't think that that helped me back that much because it's not like I was constantly thinking that. But time yeah. to time, it would cross my mind. I'd say, man. I could really come off the edge and really bull rush mm-hmm. and tackle, you know, and all that good stuff. But no, that was not, those are not productive thoughts. And as much as it was frustrating to not get drafted, to not get drafted from the, my natural position, I also was very blessed to have that opportunity to be drafted and have a team really invest time into me and understand that it's going to take time to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that I got as much of I was that. Gonna say, they didn't really patience. give you all that much time. <laughs> In the but... second year, not in the sense of I should have made the team because I wasn't being consistent enough, but no, I don't think I got as much reps and uh, focus in training camp. But, I, I mean, I'm not salty about that. I'm really yeah. not. I think it's just the nature of the big beast. I mean, there's a lot of other guys. There's three other guys that are also rookies that want time. And Russell Okunga, left tackle, he's pretty important too, and he wants mm-hmm. coaching. So yeah. I think it, it's it's just tough, man. It, that's yeah. how it is. How it, goes. it is. It's definitely crazy. It's definitely difficult. But, again, you know, I, I agree with you. You shouldn't you know, spend too much time on those negative, non-productive thoughts, as you put it, you know, obviously it's just very weird from my perspective, you know, what never playing, but obviously watching a lot of football and just kind of, you know, if I was in that position, yeah, of course, hell dude, you got drafted, take advantage of it, do whatever the heck you have to do. But it's just so confusing to me understanding like 
that not only just from the team's perspective, they would take a chance on a guy who's never played the position in the sixth round, which is just kind of weird. I mean, kudos to you for getting there, but that part's weird. And then, you know, never really putting you in the best position to succeed. And then eventually just having to cut you is just such a, a weird concept to me. It is. Uh, yeah. And honestly, the, I, there's a little more, the, it wasn't that I, I hear what you're saying. It's true. Um, they also did it with Jarrah Sweezy in the seventh round and he ended up working out better. I mean, sure. Successful. I mean, did he have a rough rookie year? He told me himself. Yes, he did. And the, the different circumstances. I also know that he was thrown into the fire a lot more. Like he mm-hmm. told me the first year, he's like, you should be lucky that you're not thrown into the fire like I was because I didn't know what I was doing and guys went down. And and honestly, mm-hmm. it kind of also helped him though because I feel like reps could have yeah, really been exactly. for me too, you know? So it's just, it's tough, man. And I think, I mean, yeah, they had good intentions, obviously. Yeah. I don't think it was mission impossible. I think it was very attainable. Uh, hindsight 2020, but looking back now, I think to myself, maybe I should have stayed at the Seahawks and stayed in the practice squad at offensive line. Maybe I would have figured it out, but it's, it's hindsight Amen. 2020, you know, I, it's, exactly. cause I went to the Colts and I played D line. I had a great season of the practice squad as they activated me to, to, to the active roster in the last two weeks of that year. So I, my decision looked great then. And then a new GM comes in. He doesn't like my play style as much. He's cuts me in June, the worst time to get cut. And then the only job I have available is offensive line back in the Saints. They tell that whole story. So, yeah. And then off of the training camp goes okay there. They want me to play O-line, but I'm like – they want me to play O-line in the practice squad, but I'm kind of telling them, like, you know, I'm clearly more natural and better, better fit to be a D-lineman. They give me a shot there, cut me because they need to make room, and I'm the last guy, you know, a couple days later. And then the Giants signed me a D-line after other teams were still trying to kind of work me out at O-line a little bit too. Yeah, it was interesting, back and forth, and you know, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. But and then obviously, I had I had my opportunity in two thousand. Sorry to cut you off. No, I had my opportunity in two thousand eighteen with the Giants in training camp. That was a really cool spot. I was at third string, uh, five technique defensive end on a three four. It's exactly where I wanted to be. You know, I was going to get playing time in training camp to show how I could play in the three four end position. And second play of the first game, I tear my ACL. So I got breaks, and I uh, wasn't one of them. Yes, as we were talking about before, there were some great breaks for you along the way, and unfortunately, yeah. sometimes uh, you you did not, and uh, they went out the <laughs> way. Right. But uh, no, yeah. man, I mean, you absolutely would have got playing time. I'm a very big Giants fan, but man, that defensive line has been bad for a while. But it's kind of cool. I mean, what's that? Le- yeah, I mean, you grew up, I guess, in New Jersey in that area, right? Bloom Bloomfield. On, I did, on, and I grew up a big Giants fan. Yeah, what was that uh, like I, getting the opportunity, even just like sign that contract, have that jersey? Like that oh, must have been pretty man. cool, right? It was surreal. It really was. Yeah, and coming back home, I had come back home a couple weeks before the Giants and I was just spending time at home from Indiana because I was living in Indiana at the time and I was kind of like I think I was visiting home and I was getting ready to maybe relocate home and figuring things out waiting to see what teams might sign me maybe football's over and then to get oh man that was intense you know you know just thinking back now it just makes you think it makes you appreciate opportunities because even though it didn't work out the way I wanted to I had been unemployed for two and a half months I was actually trying to get a payroll, no, what was it? A payroll, payroll processing sales job in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Just to give you a perspective, like yeah. I was, I was, I was trying to get into the whole finance deal. I was trying to like figure things out after football, still training, staying in shape, but I was starting to like lose a little hope that football could work out. And uh, a week before the season ends to have my hometown team that had worked me out two months prior say, we're actually going to sign you for the final week of the practice for the season for practice squad which usually indicates they're going to be interested to give you a look for the 90 man for next year. That was really exciting. That was really neat. And that was, uh, 
yeah, I'm fortunate that I got to experience that. That was cool. That is awesome, man. Congratulations there. All the hard work, as we've heard over the last almost hour we've been on now, um, you know, what you've been able to do, how you built up to that spot, all the shit you had to go through, um, all the breaks, as you said, that you had along the way. I think yes. it's just so cool. I mean, getting drafted again, being the yeah. first Albanian football player, um, you know, born Albanian um, to play in the NFL, I think is incredible, man. So kudos and congratulations to all of that. And so, you know, as you said, after the Giants, unfortunately, you do tear your ACL. Um did you kind of think that was, I guess that was it for lack of a better term? Yeah, sadly. I mean, I, I had hope that it wasn't and I would kind of get frustrated at my agent for kind of talking so negatively um, after my injury because I felt like I was making headway with the Giants and a lot of people had gotten cut like 40 guys out of the 90 uh, on that off season. And I was not one of them. So I felt like I was, mm-hmm. I mean, I was still third string. Don't get me wrong. I didn't yeah, think I had still, earned a spot. Yeah. But yeah. I felt like I had made a good impression and things were going well for me. And, but as time passed, I realized that my agent wasn't so much being negative as much as he was being realistic. And Mm -hmm. uh, I give him credit for that. Even in the hard times when it's hard to do it, he's been realistic with me and he's been, he's been straight. So, and that's what he was saying to me. He said, Chris, I just know how this league works. He's like, yeah, you made a lot of good progress. Yeah. A lot of GMs know about you right now, but he's like, I just know that 500 guys are going to show up fresh rookies next year when you're recovering from this ACL, you know, and this and that, and you're going to be 27 now. And then, you know, and yeah, and he was right. You know, I, I, I uh, got some sniffs, uh, 2019 by sniffs, maybe like two conversations with my agent, but nothing really came out of it and, uh, didn't really get in, uh, in another opportunity. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Um, well, you did get another opportunity and we'll get to that in a second, but before, you know, so at what point did you kind of, you know, as you said, before the Giants, you were already starting to come to terms with it a little bit, looking at that payroll position in Indiana, you're now out here, um, you know, understanding what's going on and, and you're looking, you know, you, you tear your ACL, as you said, your agent might be a little, um, he might be a little negative about it. You're still going, but at, at what point do you decide like, all right, let me start looking at my post career career a little bit and at least start, understanding the, the scope and everything around it. Yeah. And I think I started doing that even before the giants. And then literally when that injury happened, even though I was training and really hopeful to get another shot, I was working on post-career during that. I think mm-hmm. I did a good job of really being mindful of that. I did a bunch of internships and I did, I was involved with the NFL players association and I, I went to a lot of their meetings and learned about our union and, you know, went to internships with, uh, you know, whoop, a startup in Boston, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, I did uh, took four classes for an MBA program that the NFL paid for. That's another really cool deal of the NFL. So I was definitely trying to figure out things. And because I was I did all those things, honestly, it helped me arrive to a conclusion of I do want to manage money after football. That's what I want to pursue um, when it's done. So it was cool that that year gave me the ability to get to that, to that. And um, yeah, you know, yeah. so here and I it, am it's, it's managing money in front of uh, now I'm managing money in front of 70,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that big yet, man. I'm not that big. Maybe give me, give me a call. I'll call Joe Rogan pulled in a hundred million. Like I'll just take, oh, yeah. take an easy mail. I'll let you manage it. You can come on again. Hopefully we have a hundred thousand people watching next time. I think, you know, That's we got, right, but don't say that. Cause your, your boy, Jim's going to get mad at you. And he's my boy too. So don't, don't worry. Jim, Jim's going to be just fine. If I'm making that much money, Jim's going to be just fine. Okay. All right. Not. So maybe I can get not, just, let me get some of the, uh, some of the actively managed money. Exactly. Exactly. You can have the endorsement money. You'll have the contract money. We'll be okay. good, man. We'll be nice. good. No, but um, no, man. I think it is. I think it's awesome that you at least were able to, you know, even though it was like kind of a down position, you didn't, you know, as we were talking about before with quarantine, you know, I've been able to do a 
boatload of interviews during it, but so many people could have easily just been like, oh, I just want to do a couple and see what happens. You were able to look at this time as, you know, what could have been a pretty dark, like kind of crappy, a shitty situation. And it you were able too. to take it, of course, but you were <laughs> yes, at least able yes, to, yes. to kind of come through and understand like, all right, even though this sucks, I still have to do something. And I still have to look at the other side and understand like, yeah. if this is the end, I need to do something. If you just sat there and did nothing and only rehabbed, I'm sure your knee would have felt great, but you wouldn't have gained yeah. anything personally or, or perspectively. So, you know, after, after you're really not getting any sniffs, when did you start to, I guess, pursue that career full time understanding like all right this is you know maybe there's some sniffs but i understand if you want to get into finance you have to get into finance yeah uh march of 2019 or i think it was late february the giants notified me that they will not be keeping me and retaining mm -hmm. my contract and that's when i actively started meeting um excuse me as many people as i couldn't in finance and i Shout out to uh, Sokol Chano, who will probably never watch this, but maybe you never know. He's in investment banking in New York City, and he's an Albanian. And he said, you know what, Christian? Send this, just send this to him. He'll watch it. If I you will. Send it to I him. will. Exactly. Good point. I will. There you go, Mike. Nice plug. Um, and he said to me, he said, I don't think you're fit for investment banking. Because I kind of went to him like, listen, man, I want an opportunity in finance. I want to work with people. I like working with others. I'm a social guy, but I'm a hardworking guy, too. Investment banking sounds like an exciting, intense, hardcore job. You know, that's kind of how I went at him. And he said, he said, I'd talk to you. This is not for you. He's like, honestly, I see you more on the managing money side and the client relations side. He's like, what I'm going to do for you. And he's an Albanian himself. He's got a very neat story himself, actually, of how he came here and got to the you know position he's in now. He said, I'm going to connect you with every Albanian I know who has finance ties or is in finance or just a successful Albanians I know in the New York City area. And he literally connected me with about 16, 17 people, I think, which this is pretty cool, too. I got in touch with 14, 15 of them. It just shows the Albanian community's mm -hmm. willingness to help and be open. And then a few of those connections led to other connections. And I still keep a lot of those guys in my network. And it's it's cool. I really appreciate him for doing that. And I appreciate the other guys that I connected with for being willing to help and uh, kind of give, give me the, their thoughts and their help in that. And yeah, so a few months uh, went on, and I was actively seeking a job in in, in wealth management. Um, I would, I, I would, I was intense now, just like football. I looked up the top ten wealth management companies in New Jersey, and I emailed every single one of them, and I told them I was a big time NFL player and all that good stuff, and looking to be a financial advisor. And I did that with New York City, and I did that with Indiana. I I would just email random, you know, lists of companies, and it's funny how things work out. And then, a, you know. It, look at that. Look at that, man. Things are weird. So I was at Hashtag Sports, mm -hmm. and on the third day there, I a buddy of mine who does uh, – he does he's a stand-up comedian, Gerard Haran. Uh, mm -hmm. He does stand-up comedy. I was having coffee with him uh, in between uh, one of the Hashtag Sports meetings in Manhattan over there, and uh, I told him what I'm trying to do. He said, wealth management, geez, man. He's like, You're, come on, you got to come do comedy. This and I said, listen, it's exciting. I know I'm a funny guy, but – You've seen me try to do stand-up. I, <laughs> I try to do stand-up. I, listen, I'm, I have good uh, humor in the moment, but stand-up, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so he, he says, all right, you want to do wealth management. Uh, best friend of mine from high school, his dad is at Merrill Lynch. Why don't you just connect with him see what they say? I end up, long story short, connecting with him. I call, call, uh, call his dad, Jim Spinarkle, who is a commentator for the Brooklyn Nets. Played in the NBA for a little bit, I think. He's a, he's a color analyst. I think he's a color analyst, Brooklyn Nets. He's also a wealth manager, a very successful one, at Merrill Lynch. So he passes my name to the recruiting manager there. 
they have they have me interviewed and a couple interviews later i get the job offer in august of 2019 so that was cool yeah congratulations man very well deserved obviously the hard work the connections everything that you need to do but maybe maybe football isn't over for you so i know as you said you uh you got a you got a phone call while you were actively a wealth manager right or while you you know after you accepted the job you got the yeah. phone call that said hey the xfl is coming around we're looking for some people to play uh you know would you like to try out so what was that like like you're kind of putting football to rest and being like okay this is done yeah. like i'm i'm moving I on I, i'm I good was. and then getting that call and someone's just trying to rope you back in like how like that is such a weird dynamic like what did and you do and i mean you went and tried out yeah, but yeah. what the hell was that like i had a huge itch to play again after the opportunity was there to go play I really was loving my job at Merrill Lynch, but uh, yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, football is not going to be there forever. Maybe I give it one more shot. You know, I can come back to this. And it was really cool because uh, shout out to, 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 to Bruce, uh, my, 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 my boss at, at Mer- Bruce Milstein at Merrill Lynch for Amos office. Uh, a lot of shout outs here. <laughs> no, but really he was very supportive of it. And obviously he was not happy about it because he's paying me to work. He's paying me to do nothing and it's to study and to get get my security yeah. licenses. And now here I am saying, well, I got one of my licenses, but I'm going to bounce basically. And maybe yeah. I'll come back in a month or in 10 years after my NFL career revitalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of what I told him that I was very frank with him. I said, I'm really sorry that th- this is the truth of it. And I was like, I don't know how long it's going to last. It could last the training camp. It could last maybe you got to get an NFL shot. I said, but I know that I want to come back here when it's over. If you, you know, if you're okay with it. And he, he was really supportive of it. I, I, I really appreciated that. But he Bruce did tell me, he said, when I asked for the opportunity, after I didn't make it in the XFL and training camp, and I asked to go back to Merrill Lynch, he didn't give me a yes automatically. He waited a couple of weeks, and he said, listen, man, he's like, there's no third time here. You can't leave mm-hmm. and come back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, no, I got you, man. So I'm back at Merrill Lynch for good, you know. Good for you. Congratulations, man. I love it. I think your story is fantastic. I think it's great. You're helping people now. Your your story, you know, as you said, you're reaching out to other people from Albania. You're connecting with them. You're helping some of those young kids now too, which I think is great. And Christian, man, this was awesome. I feel like we could go on for a little while longer, but I think this is a perfect place to stop. And I'm I'm excited. Maybe maybe the next time I have you on is to talk about what you do and how you help athletes manage their money. Maybe that's uh maybe that's yeah. the next conversation we do have. But um, man, I think we covered it all today. Thank you so much. That'd be awesome. Thank you, Michael. And I look forward to following uh, for the love of sports. I appreciate that. Christian Socoli, wealth manager at Merrill Lynch, NFL player from 2015-2018. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you guys for watching. I appreciate it. For the love of sports. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of For the Love of Sports with Christian Socoli. As I said, super, super fun. A lot of fun to talk to. I had an absolute blast, as always, like I do all these guests, right? But he was another level of fun, considering he was a giant, uh, much longer than I'll ever be a giant. So I'm very grateful for that. And yeah, so make sure to go follow Christian on all of his socials. Um, Check him out. Everything's in the show notes. Make sure to check me out, too. Some of those are in the show notes. I'd really appreciate it. Five-star review, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever the heck you're listening sincerely appreciate that too look at that all the sincerity is getting thrown your way so thank you all so much for your time it's the only thing we don't get more of and i appreciate you giving me some of yours and i hope you make it a wonderful rest of your day yes.